Welcome to Lean In, a podcast all about the posture you choose to take on life. I'm your host, Brian Schindler. I believe that laughter is one of our most valuable possessions, that we all crave to be known and accepted, and that you're never too old for Legos. Alongside all of those things, I believe in learning from people that inspire me, and today is no exception. Today, I get the true privilege of talking with my friend Kavanaugh James about not only how he loves vanilla sweet tea, but also about why we should forgive, allow others to live some of our biggest dreams, and what happens when we release expectations that we place on other people. So, if you'll let me, I'd love to take this time spent together, this drive on your way home from work in traffic, or even this short moment to hopefully encourage you on your journey. I hope you enjoyed today's episode because it's so, so good. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Last week, I got to talk with my friend Taylor Tippett all about her journey of letting her pain be beautiful, what life is like without medication, and how holding our pain lightly is one of the greatest journeys we can choose to be on. If you missed it, make sure you go back and listen. And while you're at it, we'd love for you to leave a review on your podcast app. This helps spread the word, let us know how we're doing, and gives you a place in this family that we're building together. This week's conversation with Kavanaugh James is honestly one of my favorites yet. He gives us an idea of what life is like when we let God have our dreams and how we forgive when it's hard, and also what's really at cost when we don't. Kavanaugh lives in Texas where he works as a writer, an actor, and even a comedian. Kavanaugh's online space has become one where truth and laughter collide, where he challenges the hard topics, and where he shares his own life. Please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Kavanaugh. So then the question is, who gets to say hello, saints, to... (laughs) start this podcast off <laughs> why hello saints yes i mean i had to just because you kind of teed me up for that i did i i really wanted to throw you a home run <laughs> yeah you threw me a bone you great for sure so now podcast is over thank you so much kevin for being here <laughs> hey, it was really a pleasure my treat <laughs> amazing kevin james how are you doing hello. today hello i'm well brian how are you i'm doing wonderful doing wonderful good uh, just sitting here recording in our yeah. closet as usual yeah, no, I, I love that you kind of, you know, really use that space to its fullest. You know, some people say closets are just for clothes, but not Brian Schindler. No, they're for recording and, you know, letting people be their true authentic self over a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> Amazing. So, Kevin, uh, um, I, I have followed you for a while. We love watching your content that you put out online. It's so great. But for those who are listening who don't know who you are, why yes. don't you go ahead and tell us what you do for a living um, and okay. how you kind of, like a quick synopsis of how you landed in that kind of career. A quick synopsis. Okay, so I, I live in Dallas right now. Uh, I primarily work as a writer. So um, I ghost write for a social media <coughs> a organization, organization, a company. And, and then I also uh, kind of travel and speak doing you know whether it's whether it's preaching or hosting uh I do comedy from time to time and I kind of uh got started doing you know these kind of funny you know sometimes inspirational videos on Instagram uh maybe maybe like four years ago uh, as soon as the video feature came out on Instagram and so I started with these kind of like 15 second ridiculous you know me kind of just making myself laugh I think is what it started as and uh, and then just kind of started posting a little bit more with intentionality. So, you know, I would work on 
whether it was like characters or or just funny bits, you know, to kind of lighten up people's day. I think I was a little bit, not irritated, but, you know, I grew up in the church and, you know, was kind of a part of a lot of, you know, Christian comedians coming in and, and I wasn't a part of it. I was, you know, watching or enjoying them, but I grew up with like Mark Lowry. I don't know if you're familiar with him oh, from yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I loved Mark Lowry, but then there was this big kind of gap where I kind of felt like, you know, people weren't as willing to, to put the work in to make something really funny as far as like Christian comedy goes. I felt like it, sorry, I just dropped my mic. <clears throat> I felt like it was, uh, like it was a bit difficult to find good Christian comedy and and it was either you know really not funny <laughs> or <laughs> or or it was just like it was trying too hard and so you know i kind of started trying to figure out what my voice could be like in that world in 15 seconds which i think was a really uh good thing was that you know instagram videos first started out with like 15 seconds and so uh i don't know i, I started with that and then you know a few people kind of found my page uh and then would end up kind of posting about videos. And so it started that way. So to answer your very simple question with a 10 minute answer, as I did, you know, it's, it's, I do a few different things. Uh, I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. So I'm working on that too. Over the past couple of years, I've been transitioning kind of more into ministry full time. And so I've been figuring out what all that looks like while still, you know, writing for other companies and stuff like that. <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's amazing. So it's so funny when you talk about Christian comedy, because for, I think, the longest time, I attributed Christian comedy with walking into a Bible bookstore and seeing the, how do I say this, the creatively adapted t-shirts that were yeah. <laughs> that yeah. were branding from other companies or oh, yes. other yeah. things with some kind of Christian slogan or some kind of... Uh, more humorous view of it was just it's one of those things of it was a very linear perspective and so it's cool that oh, you yeah. took that and kind of ran with it like t-shirts with just a paragraph of writing on them that were yes. <laughs> always yes. some joke or like you know they yes i am very well aware of, of that and and here's the thing is like there's a place for all of that and so i don't even mean to like to tear that down because i know that you know even when i was growing up no one was really you know comedy wasn't as big of a deal as it is there weren't as many different kind of formats and venues for people to be able to produce and put out content and and so I know that it was just a different time altogether but you know I kind of was like well this could be a fun thing to to use as a platform and I I too didn't really love the idea of getting on YouTube and and kind of creating a, a thing where you know every day I'm posting a 10 minute you know vlog video where I'm eating spaghetti and you're watching me do that for three minutes like the, the kind of 15 <laughs> second like because i've seen that too but you know the kind of 15 second to now to now you know a minute that instagram allows i'm like that's enough time for people to to have with me i think a <laughs> lot else a lot else with that kind of intensity would be uh would be draining you know what i mean so i try to i try to get in and get out <laughs> i love it i love it well because then yeah. it feels more in the moment authentic real all of it yeah. Yes, like, I, it seems I like a conversation. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I hope so. I, I definitely am not someone who sits down and and uh, you know writes content unless I'm doing stand up. But because I, you know, when I moved to LA, I moved there. Um, I lived there for a couple of years and uh, did improv, an improv school there called the Groundlings, and so it really kind of uh, got me on my feet. And so I enjoy kind of seeing where something's going to go <laughs> as far as 
you know, when I start a video, I really don't know um, where I'm going to be taking it, but it just kind of depends on, on where the material goes and kind of where I'm feeling like, oh, this could be a funny thing or a bit, or actually, no, this is bringing us closer to the thing that I really want to talk about. And so it's been kind of a fun study for me as well, just to, to figure out that kind of way of communicating too. I love that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but I would love to just ask some real fun, get to know you questions for the people listening. Yes. Um, This is my favorite question to ask people, which is what is your favorite childhood meal? Oh, easy. Chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, cream corn, gravy, biscuit, done. Would dessert follow that meal? No, no. A nap. What are you kidding? (laughs) No, there's this place that we have in Texas called babes. And it's a, it's a chicken, I think they call it like the chicken dinner house, but it's a, you go in and you get two choices. There's no menu. You either get fried chicken or chicken fried steak. Uh, you, if you order fried chicken, it comes with a leg, a thigh, a drumstick and a breast, I think. And then uh, if you get a chicken fried steak, it's the size of a plate. I mean, it's just huge. But then they bring you all of those sides, the mashed potatoes, corn, gravy, salad that's just a sugary dressing you know it's not it's like right. it's trying to be salad but not very right. hard and then a biscuit and uh that's all family style served and so i grew up that was like the the treat meal yep and then it became the everyday meal and then i had to lose a lot of weight in high school you know <laughs> it remind well first off to all of those things about babes praise the lord oh yes uh, if you come to texas we're going done Done. We, growing up in Tennessee, we had a place called Mrs. Winners, and it was very similar to that. Okay. Very much like you show up and it's like you get chicken, and you just tell yeah. them what kind of, what piece of fried chicken you want, and then oh, yeah. it was the green beans that were also yeah. coated in, like, brown sugar and bacon, and oh, yeah, the yeah, biscuits yeah, yeah. that you would get a thing of honey to put on it. Oh, yeah. It was, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm all about that. But that's that's absolutely like my favorite to this day still. That would be my last meal too, probably. That's fair. That's totally yep. fair. Okay. Would you rather mm-hmm. lose your sense of sight or taste? Ooh. Ooh. You know, to be honest, I would probably rather lose my sense of taste. Really? Yeah, I know that that, that is an odd choice. But I feel like it would just eliminate... Like I wouldn't be as prone to go for chicken fried steak if I couldn't taste it. Do you know what I mean? Like I would be in great shape. I totally, I, just, I totally I understand be, your logic. Yeah. I would just be eating boring foods, but then I'd be able to, you know, still see people. And I mean, could you imagine not, not seeing your wife again, but being able to taste a deli- like a delicious, you know, now cake. Listen, you just made this so much deeper than. <laughs> listen, that's where I go though. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. Then I would 100% agree with you. Yeah. There you go. There you go. It's that's like ketogenic would be so much easier if I didn't have to right. taste anything. Right. Yeah. There you go. Amazing. Yeah. If you didn't have to, if you, if there was no pool, you know, for delicious food, then you wouldn't eat it. If you did, okay, so if all of a sudden you lost your sense of taste right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously. You I'd be are, furious. Right. You are like me, and there would definitely be some tastes that you would absolutely miss. What's one yes. of those tastes? Oh, a Twizzler. You oh, know, just a simple. Strong choice. A, yeah. Simple Twizzler. Uh, there's there's this iced tea that I'm obsessed with right now. This is a very specific thing, but it's this vanilla iced tea. And I am a little bit addicted to that. Like I go and buy it in bulk every couple of weeks and then just make it at home. That would be something that I would miss. It's a very integral part of my day. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, I think I would miss Fruit Loops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That now that you say Fruit Loops, of course I'd miss that. But is I that under- your favorite cereal? Oh gosh, you just asked me one of the hardest questions that anybody has ever asked me in my life. Um, <laughs> I I will go on record and say that as far as so I grew up, there were treat cereals and then there were regular cereals. Oh yes, yes, I know this yes. game. So like sometimes if we wanted Frosted Flakes, we would have to mix it with Corn Flakes because it was too much. Oh, sugar. they would. Oh, this is what. Okay. My, yeah, my mom is one of the most wonderful women in the world, if not the most outside of my wife. No, I love this. She, she would, like, we would buy corn, we were almost like Honey Nut Cheerios. We didn't buy the Honey Nut Cheerios. We would put real honey on regular Cheerios. Oh, okay. Like, people because, don't, people don't know Because it was about fake that. honey that they would put on the Cheerios. Well, yeah, it was high fructose corn syrup. Right, okay. <laughs> and so this, this lasted up until, like, I'm the youngest of four and I have two older brothers until I'm the youngest of four and have two older brothers as well. Are you serious? Where does your sister so, fall in the lineup? She's between, uh, she's between my two brothers. So I'm the youngest, okay. Jonathan, Kayla, Nathaniel, me. Okay. So my sister's the oldest and then okay. there's three boys, but all three of us were in puberty at one time. And so oh. <laughs> my mom was like, Nope, buy as much food as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. You know, but Absolutely. so as far as treat cereal, it would either be Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms. Okay. Both but, both great choices. Both yes. solid choices. But regular cereal is Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts? I know. I know. I aged like 40 years immediately. Uh, if, not, if not 200. I, I'm <laughs> grape Nuts? That's like you would eat that as a cereal. I, I love. I love like putting honey on it, putting bananas in it. It's delicious. I don't even know that I've heard of that. The cereal like, or the process? Either or. You're saying a very foreign thing to me right now. So, grape nuts. Grape nuts is a barley cereal. Okay. And Never heard of it. It's it's delicious if you're okay without something being super sugary sweet. I, I'm very okay with that. Okay. I actually am not a huge sweets person. So whenever I am a, a huge sweets person. So whenever mm-hmm. So we try to eat sugar-free 90% of the time, like no added okay. sugar. And so Grape Nuts is one of the only, if not the only, cereal that you cannot that you can still eat on a sugar-free diet because there is no added sugar. So okay. that listeners, you heard it here you first. Heard exclusive. Here. Exclusive. We're just trying to let the people know. So grape Lean nuts. Lean in to healthier eating. Grape nuts, if you want to sponsor an episode. Feel free. My email Brian's ready. is podcast at brianchandler.co. <laughs> Amazing. If you get a sponsorship out of that, I will be so happy. We'll split the year's supply of grape nuts 50-50. <laughs> I mean, you can keep my share. Oh, you're I'm so bad. generous. <laughs> I'm a giver. Wow, so selfless. Okay. Um, if you could meet one person from the theater, living or dead, mm-hmm. who would it be? Oh, interesting one person so an actor actress director someone someone one like that. person from the theater oh goodness I, you know what i'll go i'll say this because i really respect him i my initial choice was going to be adina menzel just because i right. was growing up whenever wicked happened and right. and got to see her in it so i freaked out over that but i would say i would love to meet mandy patinkin okay that's a good yeah that's and a good for for those of you who are not familiar with theater fine but he was <laughs> <laughs> which is gonna be pretty much like 98 percent of the people listening probably but, yeah, that's uh, okay 
no but he he is the very famous man from uh princess bride who mm-hmm. what what you need uh i can never say his name correctly inigo montoya inigo montoya yeah inigo montoya you killed my father prepare, prepare to die but, yeah the, that's s- the six finger man yes the six finger man but we he, grew up on princess bride oh yeah who didn't right he, i mean such a classic but right. um but he did this show called Sunday in the Park with George. That's one of my favorites. And so I would love to meet him. And if okay. you haven't listened to Mandy Patinkin's voice, just listen to that. Listen to him sing something. He's got a, a phenomenal voice. But I'd like to pick his brain. How did Hello Saints... So for those of you who are listening who don't know, Kavanaugh, whenever he posts one of his multitudes and thousands <laughs> of wonderful videos, begins with Hello Saints. Yes. How did that start? You know, I... <laughs> I honestly don't have a, a real answer for that other than, uh, you know, I think I started kind of trying out different things. Uh, Cause if you go back to my earlier videos that they, you know, they don't start with that. That's something that kind of developed later on. Uh, I think that in part, I, I always loved like Medea and Tyler Perry. And uh, you know, I grew up with, even though my family itself was not a part of gospel culture, I loved gospel culture and, and grew up, you know, on Whitney Houston and, and CC Winans and, uh, you know, and then Israel and, you know, Kirk Franklin and Tamala Mann and, you know, Tasha Cobbs even later on. And, and just like, I, I love, I love them all. And so I think that a part of that humor is definitely like in my videos is that gospel kind of influence. So I think that for me, that was some kind of gospel ish way for me to kind of, wake people up and kind of let them know what they're about to get because it's an intense greeting for an intense minute that follows <laughs> <laughs> kind of is like oh okay so we're doing this fine if you were to have like a a tear sheet for your mm-hmm. social media account would it just be an intense greeting for the intense minute that follows like just kind of like in one <laughs> sentence just <laughs> probably <laughs> in yeah. quotations kevin l james <laughs> yes no i mean it's it's funny because i'm i'm the most aware of how insane it is and I mean most of my like real friends don't even watch my videos on a regular basis because it's just very it's a lot I know that it's a lot so uh yeah no I like that an intense greeting for (laughs) an intense greeting for the intense minute that follows yeah yes for the intense minute unbelievable it's funny when you said Whitney Houston my my immediate thought went to the preacher's wife oh yes we watched that movie so much growing up Oh yeah, I I was actually watching some of it just the other day. That's I mean that's wonderful. Not, it's not Christmas until until you hear I love the Lord. I mean, come okay. on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so good. Do you just want to take a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I go. No, I love I, I love uh, that song in particular. In fact, now that you brought that up, if you look on YouTube, everyone do this. Everyone do this. <laughs> But look up Whitney Houston, I Love the Lord Live. And there's there's a clip, it's a full minute of her doing the video in this like full black, I think sequins dress or something like that. But I only give the specifics because you need to know what she looks like in the video to find it. Uh, and she she really, I I kind of, not kind of, I hold very strongly to the fact that I think that she really did love the Lord. <laughs> and uh, And so this particular video i mean she she's definitely uh taking it to church and and it's it's pretty anointed but yeah no i loved whitney houston i love it so amazing so you post a lot of very real and very honest content 
I try. <laughs> and that, well, and it's it's great and it's refreshing because it's almost like you embody. Uh, I always take things back to the analogy of whenever you're in school growing up and there's the one question that everybody wants to ask, but there's just got to be one person in the room that will ask it. And you tend to do that a lot with the things that need to be addressed or the things that need to be talked about, or at least like whenever I watch or whenever we watch uh, Hannah and I, we always feel like, gosh, that's so true. Or like we're super convicted afterwards. (laughs) Like in the best of ways, because somebody is saying the thing that a lot of us have wanted to say for a long time, or it's just so prevalent. So what? That's awesome. That's, what, thank what, you for saying that. I, I mean, it's credit where credit is due. Um, what inspires, or rather like, where does that level of honesty come from for you? You know, I think that for me, it, it's really what I want from people just on a, on a selfish level. I really enjoy just full honesty. And, uh, and so I think that, I think a growing up in church where, you know, and especially within the Bible belt where a lot of people didn't actually want to say the thing, whatever it is, um, or talk about the big nasty elephant that's in the room that no one's addressing or just kind of skirt around issues a little bit. Um, and, and not for any other reason than, you know, people just being uncomfortable or not really knowing how to deal with certain subjects or, or their own kind of struggles. I think too, a lot of leaders have kind of believed that, you know, they couldn't struggle or even question or, you know, have issues in a public way because the second they do, then they're stripped from their authority and ministry or, you know, uh, whatever it is. And so I, to me, the, the way that I communicate in, in videos is out of a place of saying like, now, I actually think that the Lord really uh, loves our vulnerability. And I know that when I'm vulnerable, the Lord matches me in a mighty, mighty way in that. And it doesn't matter however big or nasty the thing is that I have to say, uh, you know, even on a personal level, like if it's, if it's, you know, walking through something like, oh, I've struggled with this for 10 years and it's time to deal with this or whatever it is, um, that whenever I go to the Lord with just like, so this is really what the thing is. And this is really how I'm feeling or even in talking to a pastor or a mentor uh, to say, you know, this is really where I'm at right now. I know that it's not healthy maybe, or that it's incorrect or that, you know, it needs to change, but this is where I'm at. So if we're going to start, let's start from a real place. And, uh, and two, I realized that when you're dealing with, with difficult subjects and especially on, on 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 social media and you know there's automatically going to be a guard put up against whatever's being communicated because a as humans we don't like to be told we're wrong in anything right <laughs> you know? right that's, that's a pretty unanimous thing and the second that we are we kind of want to come back and and go well no you don't know because of this this and this so you know i try to make it very apparent that i'm still working out my own stuff and uh that i am I'm sharing as I learn and as I kind of walk life with Jesus, like I'm sharing things that I'm actually experiencing going through. So I think that it comes across as personal and honest because it is, you know, there's, there's never a time where I'm, you know, getting on and, and talking about something that I don't feel, feel real conviction over. But I just got, I think, kind of overtired of, of people doing half truth and, and kind of, living half honest with each other. And, and, you know, the people that I do life with are very well acquainted with my mess at kind of all points. And, 
aware of it and um and i theirs and in part so it's like that is kind of a watered down version that comes online is it is it's really just from a place of who i am and and not being able to kind of deal with anything but people being very real wow that, does that answer your question very at all? Much, yeah very much so and i have two follow-up questions if it's okay, okay. uh the first question is has has there been one that was scary to share about or has there been one that like you right before you hit share is like ah, i don't know how this is going to go over or i'm I, I, yes has that ever <laughs> okay <laughs> oh yes oh yeah that happens a lot i think i think recently the one that that I knew was going to, to be a, um, a controversial, controversial one. And that of course ended up being was when I shared about suicide and, uh, and, and to this day, there are a lot of people that don't agree with how I handled it or, or whatever, but that was something that I felt so strongly, you know, uh, for whoever's listening, you know, we've just lost Anthony Bourdain and, uh, and Kate Spade. And then, you know, of course there are so many people that, you know, in their own lives every day, but I kind of was addressing that and addressing the the spirit of hopelessness that's actually at work there. And, uh, and so it was, it was a bit forceful and a bit strong, but because I've lived it myself and, you know, before I posted, I had to post like a follow-up video where I kind of shared my story, but people saw, you know, kind of the conviction and the uh, intensity with which I was communicating that ideal, but didn't have a context for it, which was that I've lived it. <laughs> so so I think that that was a hard thing to share about uh, in general, just because, you know, I think I think more people deal with depression than may actually uh, own up to it and and know how to kind of uh, address that in a in a healthy way. I feel like, you know, people just are like, well, I'm, I'm really sad. Or I don't know why. And and to actually kind of have an honest conversation about it and, and to know that the more kind of time that we spend meddling with a really nasty thought uh the more dangerous it can become and it can end up kind of taking us over <laughs> so to speak i uh so I, I was communicating from that place but you know of course yeah there there are a couple of times where i've shared things that i'm like oh i'm about to get a phone call on this or you know some pastor is going to call me and be like hey actually that's incorrect what you just said yeah i mean that that happens often yeah but i think that what happens whenever we share stuff that's convicting, not only for ourselves, is that, um, and I'm sure that you would say yes to this as well, of like whenever I engage with something that I feel that that response of, well, I need to call them and tell them they've done something wrong. It's right. normally because it's convicting or attacking something directly in my spirit that I know that I should have dealt with a long time ago. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Or like, yeah, it's, I could definitely see that. And you, you even talked about this, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and I want to talk more about it later but it's acknowledging that you have a hurt in your heart from somebody mm -hmm. and thinking that somebody else is going to make that hurt go away right but the other person yeah. is doing the exact same thing right and yeah, it's, and just, it's this yeah. vicious cycle but i think yeah. even outside of hurt what can happen is we get into that mindset with what we're dealing with or what we're trying to connect with somebody about and then we mm -hmm. Uh, we don't know how to handle somebody else's closure on something. Yes. Yes. That's true too. Yeah. And so yeah, that's I, very true. I think that, so then with that, have you always been that honest or had you like, when did, when was a turning point for you to become that honest with the people in your life or even online? No, I definitely, I definitely was not that honest. Uh, 
you know, probably, I, well, I didn't, I didn't actually surrender my life to the Lord until I was 18. Right. So I, I grew up in church, but was so skeptical of people just my whole life. <laughs> and I, I think I've always had, uh, maybe like sometimes to a fault, uh, an ability to really kind of sense where, uh, where people may not be completely honest whenever I'm interacting with them or in relationship or just, uh, with, with authority in general, I was, I was a bit distrustful of authority growing up and, you know, still to this day, I have to kind of check that every now and then when it'll kind of try to come back. But, uh, but I think in high school it started happening because that was where really where I was most unhealthy in my life. And, uh, and I realized that coming out of, out of a lot of my unhealth, I had to be honest with my parents. I had to be honest with, uh, with kind of spiritual authority that was in my life as to, as to really the darkness that I was dealing with and, and really the thoughts that I was hearing, not just some of them. And, you know, there, there was a time right after I graduated high school where I was, so I, I did this, this EP, um, when I was 18 of, of like a few songs that I had written and, you cannot find it online, unfortunately. Not I was even about to say, where no. could we, is this on Spotify? No, I mean, to be honest, yeah. No, it, I was going to put it on iTunes and, and I'm not incredibly proud of it. It was a great experience and I learned a lot uh, from it. There, there's some fun songs on there, but no, there's a reason why I don't have it in circulation. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was in the process of writing that, but through throughout writing it, I, you know, I was, I was being pretty honest about just kind of, what I had to choose to believe with the Lord and, and all of that. And I went through a couple of weeks where I was really tormented at night when I would go to sleep. I had like night terrors growing up and, uh, and, you know, kind of was always convinced that there was like a robber that was going to come and kill me in the middle of the night, which is, you know, I know that a lot of kids grow up with like uh, irrational, you know, fears like that. But the truth is, is that's just kind of where I was. So whenever I, whenever I surrendered my life to the Lord and was just like, okay, so I'm really giving up every bit of how I have done life before this point. Um, I had a friend who kind of was, was not primarily responsible for me uh, choosing Jesus, but someone who, who walked really graciously with me in relationship and kind of uh, as a friend and, and kind of walked me into that point as a, as a mentor in my life. And so I kind of just started telling him all of the things. And it was whenever I started kind of being like, well, this is what I'm going through and waiting for them, waiting for him to kind of uh, jump in his seat a little bit or to not be able to handle, you know, my level of honesty or, or kind of the real thing I was dealing with or like, you know, I've, I've wanted to kill myself for the past five years. Like, you know, that, and then not seeing the person on the other side of the table, like jump, <laughs> you know, he was just like, okay, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's work through that. And so it almost took the sting out of honesty to me where, uh, where I thought that, you know, if I were going to really share my mess, my muck with someone, let alone the Lord, uh, that that would be rejection that would kind of just end up with me being more hurt than I was to start. And I think that that's how a lot of people, even in Christianity operate is that, you know, it's not going to be as as harmful to stay in this unhealthy thought pattern or to stay meddling with this thing that I know isn't good for me 
um, than it would be to come completely clean about everything with one person or with the Lord about really what I'm believing to be the truth in this situation, which is, <clears throat> which for me was that, you know, I, A, thought that I was like irredeemable and that, you know, a lot of the kind of unhealthy things that I had thought about myself, whether it be identity things growing up or, uh, or just beliefs about, you know, how my parents loved me or, or how I didn't feel like they loved me or, or whatever, you know, it was really all from a, a common point of me not believing that the Lord would actually want me and choose me in the midst of all of the other things. So it's like the way that I was shielding myself from being completely vulnerable with the Lord was kind of having little pieces of myself that I would hide from people and think that in my kind of keeping this or that away from someone that I would a be protecting them, (laughs) which is such a selfish thing. (laughs) Like whenever we think like, Oh, I'm not going to tell them I'm protecting them. It's like, no, you're just scared. Uh, But I, I would think a, well, I'm protecting them and be like, I'm protecting myself from the Lord in some way. I know that that's a really warped kind of thinking, but, but that's how I feel like dishonesty becomes such a big thing in people's lives is that they're more afraid of being disowned or not loved or not chosen or rejected by God than they are actually by the people that may be aware of, of whatever darkness you're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's even, it kind of helps understand or not understand but it it also helps paint a picture of the dichotomy that i think we both can agree that like because i've i've walked through not as deep of a struggle with that but i've definitely hit those times where um depression comes in and and those thoughts come Mm -hmm. in and those conversations that we entertain are the ones that ultimately bring us down and so but you hit on something which is you you don't want to feel the rejection Mm -hmm. from somebody so you don't share Right. But then at the same point in your heart, uh, we as people place that expectation that we were talking about earlier of, well, I'm hurting and you need to fix me. Right. And so and it's, it's too, well, what's funny is that it's twofold. Right. So it's like you either have the expectation that the other person is supposed to, to fix that thing in you or, or to be the place that, you know, is completely trusting and that, you know, you can take all of my mess and, and deal with it all. And that's your responsibility. You either have that expectation, which is whenever people make idols out of friends, spouses in their lives, you know, the people like, this is my one person. That's when that happens. But then the other side of the expectation is that the second there's a bit of rejection, then you're able to look at that person and go, oh, you see, I knew that you couldn't handle the honesty because you were going to reject me. (laughs) It's like, no, you actually just created that rejection because you expect me to reject you. It's like you, I, in an unhealthy place, we either expect people to be our savior or expect them to be the one reason that like we, or expect them to fulfill, you know, the unhealthy patterns that, that we think they're going to fulfill. Is that, I mean, yeah, that's like no, a I mean, it's, no, it's not random because it's, it's very poignant. I think to just the conversation we've been having as a whole, uh, because it's all based on which path are you going to walk into going into Mm -hmm. your relationships, especially when you have not necessarily the undealt with mess, because we all have messes that we're consistently dealing with as works in progress, but it's which one am I going like, which one am I going to throw down the garbage disposal first? Am I going to throw down my expectation of somebody else? Am I going to throw away the expectation I have of myself 
to save or protect somebody. Right. And it's like when you throw one down, then the other one surfaces up and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to keep going through this cycle of are my expectations of the people around me in the right place? Right. Right. And I think that, yeah, the balance that I've had to find because because this is an area in particular where I can, I can be very, very healthy and then I can be really unhealthy as I know everyone can be. But, you know, there have been seasons in my life where I've walked through real disappointment with a friend or real disappointment. You know, I've, I'm someone who doesn't invest in people uh, kind of willy nilly. <laughs> like it's not, and that's not because I don't love meeting new people and all that, but I, I really take relationships seriously and so whenever, whenever there's a hurt from someone, you know, the big thing that I, over the past couple of years, have really had to meter and, and allow the Lord to come in and go, okay, now this isn't so healthy, is when, when I'm either made or broken by what someone else does. So whether or not it's, you know, them, them hurting me on a practical level or not responding in the way to my honesty as I feel like they should, <laughs> uh, and, and taking that, I've had to... I call it just open hands is to learn to live open-handed. And, you know, when I've talked to the Lord about it, it's, it's very clear that, you know, people cannot be put under, like you can't put expectation on people. It's a surefire way to be disappointed always. And, and there's, there's a difference between now I'm not, I'm not, obviously there are healthy expectations, you know, like I expect for you to be, you know, a, a kind person. Like that's an expectation that I have because you know the Lord and you should be kind, but, uh, but unhealthy, yeah, but unhealthy expectation and, and where, you know, you're wanting people to, in a sense, be your God or be your validation. That is not a role that people were ever meant to fill. So the second that you put that on a person, they're going to fail you. So whenever I find myself extremely disappointed with someone, I realize it's because I've made them an idol. So it's like, oh no, actually that shouldn't bother me as much as it is because if I'm actually getting my validation and, and know that I can be in complete honest relationship with the Lord, then I don't need to look for that here. I can be grateful for what God puts in my path in the way of relationship, but I don't look to that as my sustenance and I'm not disappointed when that fails me. Does that make sense? Like not. Yeah. You are, you are preaching my life struggle. (laughs) But, yeah, but it's- <laughs> yeah, I think as people, this is the core of our of our being. As people made in the image of God, I believe that we we all longed for that exception. We all long for that well done, good and faithful servant. We all long for this kind of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I, in my own walk in this idea of validation, and I think especially men as a whole, this is like the tried and true struggle for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, men throughout the Bible, I mean, this is the entire this is like the the same tune to every person. Right. And I, earlier this year, I, I've really started to tell myself, even when I walk into a new social situation or any time that I'm reaching, Mm -hmm. like the Lord convince or convicts me. And I have to remind myself, I'm not here to convince you. Right. Yes. And isn't it so funny? Oh my gosh. It's like, I am not here to convince anybody. Right. Yeah. Because no, and it's the, a great place to be. Well, and but it's also one of those things of like when you realize it again, time and time and again, and the time and time again that I will realize it, it's such a grounding thing. But it's also one of those one of those gut checks of saying, I can't believe I got to that point where I need where I was needing something else in place of the validation that I get from the Lord. Right, right. 
And I mean, I think that it's something that we all go through. And so it's not even, I think that it's so easy to kind of slip into that pattern. So easy. Yeah. Of where, especially I I noticed this mostly um, with people with new friends, like when new friends come around, um, you know, whether it's a new friend in my life or to, to someone else in my life that there's almost this like season of, of like obsessiveness about that. And then it has to like meter out <laughs> if that makes sense to where it's like, it has to kind of level out and, and the people either, you know, figure out, okay, so we're not going to be as close as we thought we were, or you figure out a kind of day in day out way of, of doing relationship that isn't, that isn't unhealthy. That's like a proper balance because, you know, I, in my own life, you know, I've gone months where I'm seeing the same person every day and, and then it's like, okay, now this is becoming a, a world and I don't, like, I don't need to be in this world. Like I have other people and, and friendships, but then too, like, I can't be like, I, I, I shouldn't be getting as much from you as I am and not to put down other people, but it's like, I shouldn't be getting as much joy from, from another person and in relying on that. If Like, I know that that's a weird kind of thing, but but it's a check. It's a check for me constantly that, you know, if I find myself wanting to spend a ton of time with one person or to just, to just keep it, keep it moving and keep it like uh, not stagnant. I feel like anytime you start kind of relying on one person or, or just spending time with one person, you become stagnant anyway. So I'm always trying to just be like, no, my, my bread and butter is not that like I have a couple of friendships that really love me and believe the best about me at all times. My bread and butter comes from the fact that like I'm completely validated, seen and known by God. And I get to walk in relationship with a lot of different people and love them at different levels. But when those people are being people or, or just, you know, busy or just you know, whatever other thing can, you know, whatever of the hundred million other things that could be going on. It's like, no, I I don't need to make them responsible now for the fact that I don't have that thing I need because I'm getting it from the Lord. And it's, it's so cool that because you, you've shared recently in the book that you're writing about, you talk Mm -hmm. about the finality of hurt and how it's almost the journey of pain and the journey of hurt almost has to get you to the end of the opposite journey that you should be taking. Of, right. Okay, you're here now, and you have all of this validation from people, or so you mm-hmm. think, and yet you're still hurting. Right. Yeah. And nothing has changed, and now right. you're more exhausted, and so it's almost like you have to hit that U-turn point mm-hmm. to say, okay, well now come on this side of the journey and let God expunge that hurt for you because He wants to validate you in that hurt and right. show you how to carry it, but not be not be defined by it. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah, I think that that's something I've realized uh, probably the past like four or five years and especially within just church involvement and the way that I serve under leadership, I realized that and the Lord had to kind of shine a big old flashlight on it was to say that a lot of the leaders that, uh, that I was serving was serving under and, and even some that I still serve under now that there was, there was unhealth in the way that I was able to receive correction or receive, uh, any bit of mentoring or hear from them because of the lens that I had when I was like a third grader and had 
a bad interaction with a youth pastor. Like, you know, and, and that throughout the course of my life, because I had a bad experience and left that and, and kind of was like, okay, so this is what leaders in church are like. Uh, it, it started building up this wall and that expectation that we were just talking about of like, okay, so now I'm going to be hurt. And so, uh, so that kind of translated to me for about 15 years, just like walking out different kind of frustrating situations with leaders they were all based off of what I chose to believe about myself from that first bad interaction that, that I was always going to be seen as dirty and that I was never going to be clean enough to be effective in the kingdom. That those are like the, the two things that I kind of received and believed at a young age about myself. And so then you put that person in to high school <laughs> with a bunch of hormones and then, you know, through college and, and the whole kind of, Thing of figuring out life in your 20s and and all of that I realized oh wow I've never dealt with that unforgiveness and it really did come from just straight up unforgiveness and uh, and the Lord had to take me back through and just gently remind me that I don't have a right to you know hold people accountable for what he's already forgiven and and to even myself like I don't have a right to hold myself to mistakes that I made a year ago, five years ago, when the Lord like already paid for it all. And so the Lord started walking me through a season of just being like, Hey, so do you understand what I actually paid for? Because if you, if you believed that I actually paid for and covered this, you wouldn't still be trying to give your debit card to the server. Like you're like, you are constantly trying to, to like even the balances in some kind of way. And you're never going to see the balances even on earth capital. So you just need to let that go and know that they're even because you've chosen me. And because I did the work on the cross, like you can't hold other people accountable anymore. And if you continue to hold them accountable, you're going to stay stuck. And it was, it was a real, <laughs> it was a real kind of wake up call. And I had to go through and forgive a lot of the leaders in my life. And I mean, Things, things that I just didn't even realize had stuck with me for as long as they had. And, you know, the way that, you know, your, your Christian school PE coach talks to you when you're in fifth grade and the way that, you know, this youth pastor or, or this director or this person, you know, I had a director throw a chair at me once. Like, you know, there, there were, I had to go through and actually forgive these leaders who were supposed to handle me in a different way, poss like possibly, let's say. <laughs> And, um, and had to forgive and know that, no, just the same that I have to believe for myself that the sacrifice Christ made on the cross is good enough for me. I have to believe and put it into, into work, into action that he has forgiven them the same and that I in like, in like way have to do that or else I'm just going to be continually reaping the hurt that I'm not willing to let go of. And like the hurt that I keep investing in by by keep by keeping uh by continuing to look for it in other people you you said it so eloquently which is such an interesting way to think about it but the hurt that i keep investing in it's like you're still trying to deposit dividends into this bank account that you're hoping will pay out one day but it won't oh, because yes. it doesn't exist to begin with you know in writing the book wanted to do a lot of i say a lot i wanted to do some research on just different religions and and especially to, to understand why I believe what I believe about Christ, I wanted to kind of see him in the context of other belief systems, if that makes sense, to, to look through and be like, okay, well, people say that, 
that Islam is, is the same God, but no, actually I've read through and, and these are completely different <laughs> characters, even on a narrative level. Like you can't say that God and Allah are the same, like, sorry, you just can't. And then going through and going through um, Hinduism and going through, you know, different kind of even sects of Christianity denominations. And I realized I was like, you know what? Catholicism is so appealing to me on a human level because I really like the idea of penance. <laughs> I like the idea of like, okay, I did this. So I need to go in and say this many Hail Marys. I need to go and confess that. Like, tell me what to do and I, like in, in, on a practical level and I can, I can mark it down. But the second that you say, no, you have to put your trust and belief in the fact that that someone else has already paid for your mistakes. Now that is something that's a challenge <laughs> because I feel as though, no, 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 I should have to pay. I should have to, you know, make right. I should have to kind of make up the difference. And, and so it's a whole faith thing. And even in, un, in not forgiving other people, it's more of a faith issue than anything to say, okay, has God actually, am I, do I believe that God's done what he said he did on the cross? And if I do, then I can't walk in unforgiveness with this person or, or actually be mad about something that happened 10 years ago. I just can't be <laughs> like, I can't be, or else I'm, I'm saying that God's a liar. So can't do that. <laughs> so which extreme do you want to live on? <laughs> right. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, that's, and not to put too fine a point on it, but that really is what it is. When we walk in unforgiveness, we're just like, no, actually what you said is true is not true, God. I, a while ago, I, uh, a few years back, not a while ago, a few years back, I'm not that old to be talking about a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the grape nuts. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because of the grape nuts. Uh, a few years ago, I was listening to a sermon from Bishop TD Jakes and his analogy that he, he comes back to a lot is unforgiveness is drinking poison and waiting for somebody else to die. Yes. Yes. I've, I've, yes, I've heard him say that and it is such a true analogy of we we act in this idea of there has to be penance but grace comes in Mm -hmm. and eradicates everything about that right and judah smith pastor judah smith talks about this in jesus is about how we live in a legalistic mindset where we have to view things from a standpoint of uh cause or not even cause but of action and reaction Mm-hmm. and how grace doesn't really get a reaction from us. It's the action that takes away the need for a reaction. Oh, that's really good. And yeah. how it's, there's this idea of the forgiveness that comes from God. Like you're saying, like it doesn't even show you the bill, but this side of heaven, we think in such a legalistic mindset that it's hard for our brains to comprehend because mm-hmm. I've always said and held to this belief. And I don't remember really remember where I got it, but it's how logic is the antithesis of grace. Right. Because yeah. That's so hard to let go of. <laughs> it's so hard to let go of because yeah. we, our brain almost demands explanation. Oh, of course. Or not almost. It does demand explanation. Yeah. And no, yet does. we're on this side of an action that the only explanation that we have is, well, because God loves you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. okay, we get the reason, but then the reason is like, but no, 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 you don't understand. Right. <laughs> that doesn't, right. no, like, but there are these reasons why you shouldn't. And it's like, okay, and he just keeps saying the same message over and over again. Right. No, you're totally, totally correct. That is, uh, that is a, and I, I say this 
now as a friend, that is a brave journey to write and to put pen to paper. And I admire you a lot because that is, uh, that is one of those, I mean, it's, I'm really excited for this book. Do you have a, uh, I don't know if you can say this or not, but do you have a, like a TBD date? When? Yeah. So right now uh, we're shooting for releasing at the end of February, 2019. So, uh, so I go in actually in a week, I'm going to have kind of a brainstorming um, thing with my creative peeps <laughs> in Dallas and bringing together just kind of all the minds here that I really respect and, and reading a couple of chapters and then kind of going through a thing of title and artwork and all of that. So it's, um, yes, end of February is, is when we're shooting for. I'm, I'm very excited. Hey, I am too. <laughs> when <laughs> so ready to be done with this, I can't even tell you. <laughs> when you are a New York Times bestselling author, please remember. Oh, us, right, right. And yeah. we'll have you back on the show. Yes. You know, those first time Christian authors really just tend to make the big buck, <laughs> you know. No, I'm I'm you know, it's it's not something I ever wanted to do or thought that I would do, which um I think is probably why I knew it was something I was supposed to do whenever the Lord asked me to. I just was like, Oh, of course I'm that person. I've realized now uh, that I don't say I'll never that that's just not, it's a horrible idea to do so. It's, it's a really, (laughs) I found it in my own life to be uh, problematic in that, you know, I I said I was never going to go to Bible college, check that box. Uh, and the Bible college that I said I wasn't going to, I absolutely went to. And then the university, I was like, oh no, you, I'm not going there. Don't, don't you worry. And no, I went there too. And you know, all the, no joke, all the things that I've been like, oh, I'll never be a writer ever. Am I going to be a writer? That's not what I want to do. But here we are. <laughs> it's almost saying I'll never to God is the same as asking God to humble you. It's like, those are right, two things that are, true. you just like, you do them one time. Right. And then you experience the other side of it and you're like, okay. I get it. Like, <laughs> just <Right. laughs> tuck those things away. <laughs> well, and you know, to the interesting thing, this, uh, this is a little bit of a veer, but it's, it's on the same kind of thing that I've, I've realized that kind of the things in my life that have worked well or the things that have opened doors for me or, or provided opportunity are never the things that I have thought would be the door openers or opportunity providers ever. Uh, you know, I, I grew up thinking I was going to be an actor that, you know, I was going to go to Juilliard and audition for them. And like that, I was going to be in New York acting. That's what I wanted to do. So the fact that, you know, now I am trying to transition into ministry full time is just kind of the, the punchline, because I mean, whenever the Lord told me, the Lord told me actually, when I was uh, 18, right after I graduated high school, the Lord gave me a word. Um, in front of the whole congregation. So I go to Gateway Church in South Lake. That's my home church. Um, you know, Pastor Robert Morris is, and we love him and whatever. But uh, I, I remember that my friend's father, who was doing oversight, gave me a prophetic word at the end of that service. And the last line of it, uh, and, we, and Gateway doesn't do that on a normal basis. So it was an odd thing that he called me out in front of the whole congregation. But, uh, but he told me at the end of it, he said, the Lord is transitioning you from a life of entertainment to a life of ministry. And, and I fought that word for 10 years. Tooth and nail. Like, <laughs> oh, 10 years, yeah. man. Just, nope, that's not the Lord. He heard wrong. Like, I'm, I'm going to be in ministry, but my ministry is going to be more of like, you know, I, that's just who I am in the context of my vocation in theater. And the Lord was like, no, I actually, like, you're going to be in ministry, though. And so 
it's been 10 years of me kind of running from that. And then, you know, when the Lord asked me to write this book, I was like, Oh, right. So you weren't kidding about that. <laughs> right. Got it. Isn't it funny how the, the people that are in the places that it's like, there, there are two, there are two trips of people. Whenever you talk about people who like have these, not even, I don't want to use the term great calling because I, I really try to tread lightly whenever I talk about that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. it's the people that have a heavy conviction about what they're supposed to be doing right are either in the i've known this since i was a kid and i kill it and crush it and, and i'm in it and like it. it's yeah. great or i never thought i would do this right oh it's totally true one of one of my dearest friends um is a very successful she she's an actress and a theater actress and it is not something that she loves and like it's just it's not something that she thrives off of I and mean, she enjoys it and she is very good and gets a lot of work, but she doesn't love it. And it kills me. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't actually kill me. I'm more so joking, but whenever we talk, you know, even like a week and a half ago, we were talking about, you know, project that she was doing. And then I'm talking about this book that I'm working on. And she, you know, keeps, she's been really encouraging with just get this book out there. And she thinks that people in the theater community may like it. And so we were talking though. And I was like, I mean, look at my life though. I was like, I am writing a book and I've like, I don't enjoy writing. I didn't enjoy writing in college, let alone now. (laughs) And I'm, I'm in the middle of this 200 page book that I've written and you're literally like literally living my dream and you couldn't care less. And, and so we had a real conversation about that because she knew and, and, you know, I was living in New York when she was in the middle of a run of a show on Broadway. And, and, you know, we would go to breakfast kind of regularly and it would crush me that I would see her living my dream. And I have, I have a few friends who, who work in theater and like, I, I've had to really even let go of that. That's been a whole thing that the Lord and I, the Lord and I have had to walk through, um, is that, that the dreams that the Lord has given me a lot of times, I may not see their fruition in the way that I think I'm going to. Um, and that's okay. And, and it's okay that my life doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like and that other people get to live out, you know, what could have been my dream. The Lord has been reshaping what my dreams look like over the past couple of years. And so a big part of kind of like letting, and I use this, I, I'm trying to find, think of a different way. I, I was talking to, um, to one of my mentors in Texas, um, and I, I, I share her name just because I use her voice. But um, so Rita Springer is this, you know, worship leader, and, and I'm sure people listening love her music, and she's awesome. But she, she's very much another mother to me. And, and so in the midst of kind of the past few years and the Lord really kind of showing me what... Uh, direction he's taken me and, and me kind of being terrified of going into ministry. I remember uh, going over to Rita's house and sitting in front of her. And if you've ever heard Rita talk, she kind of sounds like this and she's got a, like a very raspy voice and, and, but she, she's just, she's no bull with anyone and just kind of calls things out. And I mean, that woman here is the Holy spirit. Like, like, I don't even know. <laughs> so anyway, we were talking and I was like, I was like, Rita, you know, I just, I was like, I feel like over the past couple of years, like God has killed every dream that I have and it's fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay that he did it. I'm ready now for him to give me his dreams. And she, as quickly as I finished that, she was like, Gavin, let me tell you something. God is not a dream killer. And, and she like went in on me (laughs) and, 
And and she was like, she was like, Kevin, not God is not a dream. And I'm gonna stop doing the voice because it ruins it. But she's like, God is not a dream killer. And you need to understand that God is not asking you to lay down things for the purpose of sacrificing them and never seeing them again or, or you know, laying something down on an altar and God being like, Great, now I've killed that thing. Like God is asking you to lay things down so that He can actually have control of your heart and where you're going so that you can actually see your dreams but you've been holding so like so closely to what you thought god was going to do in your life and and for the way that you thought god was going to show you that he cared about you or believed in your talent or who he's called you to be that you've made that now a bigger thing than god in your own life because you're just seeing all of these things that you know haven't come to fruition the way that you thought that they would And you take that and put it in front of the Lord and say, well, look at all of these unfulfilled dreams. That's who you are. You're a God who doesn't fulfill dreams because look at all of my unfulfilled dreams. And so I've had to let those things die and to see them as, okay, so that's just a, that's a thing that I have in my heart and it's a thing for not right now. And so as opposed to saying like, no, I've let my dreams die now. I'm like, no, that I'm. I like God has not asked me to sacrifice one vision in my life for the sake of another. It has been a level of submission and, and about me going, okay, so I really want to act. If I had my dream right now, Brian, I would be in New York doing a show. Like if you, if you were to, I would be doing that. And then on my day off, I'd be leading worship. Like I would be doing Broadway and leading worship. And, and they would be in the same space and I'd be writing shows that, you know, Christians and non-believers were doing like I would, that would be my heart. I'm not there right now. And that's not to say that I'm not going to be there, but, but because the Lord has a hold of, uh, of my heart in a way that he didn't, I'm now realizing that I want my dreams to be informed more so by what God's asking me to dream than I want to be informed by what I'm wanting myself to dream, if that makes sense. No, like, it make you're, I mean it's making it is crystal clear. <laughs> so I, I think I'm that, receiving it while you're also talking. <laughs> yeah. Good. No, it's just, it's, it's a hard thing. It's been a hard thing for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed and so fortunate that, that, you know, God has really, I didn't have a ton of friends growing up. And so, uh, you know, when I was, when I was in high school and the Lord kind of started shaping my personality and, and kind of telling me how to, necessary not even him telling me I think at some points it was an unredeemed version but like just realizing oh okay so you can use humor this way or or you can use wit this way and I kind of started getting some friends in my life um I, I I realized kind of first well I realized very quickly that I needed good friends around me and so I I just started having that be a real point of prayer with the Lord and um and it's something that I've always asked for is just a variety of friendships. I want to know all sorts of different people at different walks. I don't want to be stuck in my church bubble. I don't want to be stuck in music bubble or whatever. I want to have friends, you know, across the board. And so part of that um, has, has the Lord has given me in, in relationships that are across the board. Like the Lord really has given me friends, you know, that do all sorts of different things. And so I've had plenty of opportunity to, to look at my friends and what they're doing and, and to see the successes in their life and look at them as God's rejection of me, <laughs> which it's funny. It's funny how like, you know, we, it, whenever we're, discouraged by the fact that someone else is, you know, and we wouldn't say this publicly, we would never 
really open up to this, but if something really great happens for someone else in their career, or in their life, you know, it's not enough that we can be excited for them and, and just say, okay, that's fine. I'm going to like, I'm doing my own thing. It's almost as if their success means your failure. And, and you take that on as like, oh no. So because they are doing this thing, then I'm further behind in my career than I should be. Or because they have this many gigs in one year and I only have this many, that means I'm lazy. And, and you just start, I mean, it's, it's a real, um, it's a tornado. Um, oh, it's a yeah. real slip and slide. Yeah. yeah. You just <laughs> end up going down there. And so I've just been really trying to let go of that and to, to get excited about, you know, the things that, that God has put in front of me. So I'm like, yeah, I never thought that I would write a book in my life, but that's what God's put in my hand. And I'm excited about it now. I'm really excited for it to be done, but I'm excited about it genuinely now. So in the last few minutes that were unbelievable, yeah. you answered my last three questions. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Without me even asking them. Hey, well, there you go. it's really cool how you touched on. And I think one of the things that I've had to let the Lord teach me is that sometimes the people closest to you that he'll put in your life that you mm-hmm. learn very quickly that you need are right. may very well be the people who are living out what you thought your dream was. Yeah. Yes. And yes. how you are, because it was your dream, you know how to support that person. And it's almost right. like a level of not humble pie, but it's the Lord saying, I need you to see either what I kept you from or saved you from mm-hmm. so that you can be that person and be a, a, a stronghold for somebody else. It's a very totally. interesting, and I don't know if there's any scriptural basis for that, but it's something that I've kind of been thinking through over the last few years as you grow older and you let go of these dreams that you have or not even let go of them, but like you said, align them with what God, right. God is teaching you or wanting to do through you. It's a very, it's a refining process and it's part of the refining process. Totally. Totally. I mean, you have to, you have to change the perspective of, okay, I want, I want you to inform everything Lord, as opposed to I'm going to take what I already kind of have processed in my mind and then say, well, because this has already been processed in my mind, it's the Lord, which is really easy to do too, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a fine balance. And two, it really does, you know, what you're saying about humble pie is so true. And especially the aspect of, you know, I'm never, um, especially when I'm around people that are doing things that I particularly love or appreciate it puts me in a real dependency with the Lord. Exactly. Uh, That's a great way to say it, Kavanaugh. To, to thank you, to put me in a place to where I don't have an option, but to be reliant on him, which I think is really where the Lord tries to get us all. And it's not a thing of, it's not a thing of like us not being able to function. And, you know, I even had this, this conversation with Lord where, you know, I was, I was praying about something and, and the Lord was just really, it was really kind in how I said it, but he was like, he's like, Kavanaugh, you know, when, when you're talking about needing me or, or wanting to be close to me, he was like, sometimes you, you do it from a desperate place. And he was like, and the desperation and seeking is, is good. He was like, but you don't have to be desperate for me. Now, desperate and wanting more just because you want more is one thing, but desperate in the way of saying, I really need you, please come through Lord, as if he needs to be told by us and, and kind of, um, 
uh, finagled into doing what's best for us. Like our prayers are going to go, go in and change his mind. He was, he was originally going to smite us, but now because we prayed and asked him to come through in this area and begged him, now he's, he's forgiven. It kind of, the Lord was like, you, you have every day all access to me. And, and I want you to use me as a resource to lean on me, to talk to me. And you don't have to um, bang on my door for me to answer, so to speak. Like, you know, cause I would go into, I would go into weekends that I knew I was going to be around, you know, whether it was going to see a friend in a, in a Broadway show or, or whatever. Like I, I just had to do that. Um, this, this winter, I went and saw my friend and, and his show in New York. And before I went, I had to talk with the Lord <laughs> and say, okay, I'm so excited. He gets to do this. His um, success in this world has nothing to do with the fact that I'm not talented and that you haven't called me to great things. They're different things right now. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to be so excited. And I may every now and then, Lord, just be like, hey, can you tell me what you think about me in this moment? Because right now I'm feeling like a failure or right now I'm feeling like this or that. And so it's like I, I kind of take that attitude with the Lord when I'm put in those situations where I, I'm kind of surrounded by, oh, okay, so so that's something I always wanted to do. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And then what happens is you're, you're able to then be genuinely joyful in the moment because the Lord is so good about saying, no, this is actually who I think you are. And, and this is how I love you. And this is what I'm going to do in your life. Now I get to enjoy and celebrate what other people do, as opposed to looking at it as like me walking into a room and having to really guard my heart because I'm going to be offended by the fact that they're doing something successful. <laughs> well, and because you've taken yourself out of the equation. Yeah, because it's not about me anyway. And the truth is, is that, you know, whenever I am out of my head and sure about who God has called me to be and about the path that I'm going, and even sometimes like before a situation where I'm going to be like, oh, this is going to be a tempting thing where I'm going to like walk away from this week or this scenario and go like, oh, I want to do that, that the Lord will remind me in the middle of that, hey, so this is really where I've called you. This is the kind of um, journey we're going on and the person who I've called you to be. And so the truth is, is that I'm, I'm the friend for a lot of people that can come and, and support and come and cheer on. And sometimes it's more difficult than others, but the truth is, is it's who I'm called to be. So it's like, you know, I'm called to be a servant. We all are. We're called to like, I'm called to be perfectly content being a doormat. Like that's what I, I know that that is a maybe controversial thing, but like we are called to be doormats. Like we're called to be servants. And I'm not saying allowing people to, you know, use and misuse and all of that, but like we're called to be the thing that, that you may not even notice. And the thing that is perfectly content to not be noticed. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm, 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 I'm called to be in a room and to not take away the energy from that room because I'm dealing with my own stuff. I'm called to, you know, pour into, to champion, to celebrate, to come alongside. And so the second that, you know, I'm not able to do that, I realize it's because I'm being really selfish and because I'm choosing to make something about myself. Well, and you're, what you're talking about is something that Hannah and I really try to pray for and pray that we get the chance to do it, which is not wanting anything from somebody, but wanting everything for them. Yes. And it's so much more fun to live that it way. It is so much like, more fun to live. It's, it's hard. hard. It's, it's not hard. Easy. Yeah. No, it's not easy, but it's so much more fun. 
and it's 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 freeing in a whole different way because it's like you know there there are even i think about it in in this kind of context you know there are worship leaders who are uh who are more prone to not necessarily be excited that other people um I know that this is a weird metaphor that I'm going to, but there are worship leaders that are going to be excited that someone else is leading a song like on, on a weekend and are going to be excited about them developing that thing. You know, I, I remember I've watched a few like worship leaders at gateway kind of like come up and, and there are leaders that they'll be up with that you can tell are excited for them and want to give them all the room to succeed and do the thing that they're anointed to do. And then there are other people who you can tell are kind of almost wanting to hold on to the football <laughs> in a way, like spiritually when they're, uh, when they're on platform. And, and the truth is, is I just want to live in life like someone who is fully, like if someone else is starting to lead a song or do something awesome or, st- or the Lord is given like a particularly strong word or the Lord has gifted with, um, you know, talent to be able to star in movies or to do Broadway or to, you know, write awesome albums that I am enough, enough sure about who God has called me to be that I can step away from the mic and love the fact that God is highlighting, shining on that person. Because the truth is, if I'm really about God getting all the glory that he's due anyway, then I don't care where the glory is shown. And it's like a real kind of checking thing for myself to go, okay, well then if I am not as excited about this other person doing something great, then that's me wanting to be the glory carrier and carrier. And that's not what I'm, nope, I don't want that. I want to be as far away from that desire of, of, of it needing to be me. <laughs> like I want to be the one who's highlighted right now. No, not at all. Like, I want to be so content on the bleachers watching everyone else do amazing things, just as content as I would be, you know, doing a video, writing a book, whatever. I want the same level of contentment in life. Right. Uh, or, if, if you're like me, then if football is being played, the last thing you want to be doing is playing the game. You just want to sit right. in the stands anyway. <laughs> well, because I grew up, the kind of closest sports that my family was connected to were uh, was golf. My brothers played golf. My sister played golf. I played golf somewhat, my dad, you know, my mom even played a little bit and, and then baseball a little bit, but that was really it. And then that stopped at like six because I was like, it's hot outside. I'm not trying to carry, <laughs> I'm not trying to carry clubs right now. I'm not trying to sweat. I'm not trying to have an allergic reaction. Like let's go to Grandy's and hit a fetch chicken fried steak. Oh, the title of your book just needs to be, it's hot outside. <laughs> it's, it's hot outside and I'm furious. <laughs> an autobiographical tale from Kavanaugh James. <laughs> it's, hot, it's hot outside. I'm still mad about it. It's hot outside. Where is my chicken fried steak? Yeah, there's nothing I love more than just, you know, a hot piece of, you know, fried chicken, either chicken fried steak. And I like to eat it outside in Texas, like 110, 115 degrees. I like to just sit out there, you know, pour the cream gravy on, really do it up. <laughs> if there is anything that I've ever wanted to retweet or immediately put my name on, it is that right there. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Kevin, is it miserably? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No. <laughs> We've been talking forever. <laughs> you need it in the podcast. I know. <laughs> I just need to take a second. <laughs> Go ahead. Wrap it up. Ooh, do the thing. <laughs> okay. I'm like, it's also so hot in this closet because there's no air conditioning whatsoever. Because there isn't well, a vent is... in here. Okay. Oh, that's a that's a bummer. I know. Okay. I'm collected. Okay, good. <laughs> nope.
<laughs> just, collect myself. Kevin, thank you so much for joining you. me on the podcast. It has been a true pleasure, and I hope to have you back soon because I think yes. that these kind of conversations are what not only I love having, and it seems like you love having, but I think also um, people love listening to because it lifts a veil off of right. people as a whole. So thank you so much for being uh, uh, being a a door holder for that. Well, that is very kind of you to say. I'm I'm happy to do anything that that the Lord would have us do. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm horrible at receiving compliments like that. So so thank you. But um, yeah, no. I well, mean, it is 100 percent true, and we look forward that. to always tuning in whenever you hello yes. saints all the time. Yes. We, I appreciate we that. Live for it. We would like to dedicate this podcast to the song. I don't. I'm gonna butcher the title, but the "I Believe in Miracles" song from I believe <laughs> from the preacher's wife. I believe in you and me. Yes. I believe in you and me. That is what yes. we'll dedicate this podcast to. Because Absolutely. Kavanaugh, I believe in you and me as friends. <laughs> hey, thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for being here, Kavanaugh, and I can't wait to have you back soon. Yes, thank you. It was great talking to you, Brian. Thank you for taking the time to lean in with us today. And thank you to my friend Kavanaugh for being today's guest. You can follow Kavanaugh on Instagram at Kavanaugh James. And don't forget to show him some love from us saints. I'm so glad you chose to spend this time with us as we unashamedly dig into the idea of choosing to live life leaned in. Please don't forget to rate this podcast, leave a review, and subscribe. Believe it or not, each of those helps spread the word on what we're building together. You can also find me on Instagram at Brian Schindler and at Lean in the Podcast. Catch you next time and have the best day.